111, built to last, Colossians 111. Um, and Nicole, we're gonna uh, run through, so if you just kind of figure out where I am, you can catch up. Are you there, Colossians 111? And um, if you have the app, you can look it up on your phone. If not, um, your Bible app, but there are several options. You guys ready to, go? ready to go? Let me hear you. Are you ready to go? Yes. All right. Thank you, Rod. All right. All right. To tell your neighbor one more time. Say, you're built to last. You're built to last. Now lay hands on yourself and say, I'm built to last. Okay. Say, endurance unto me. Endurance unto me. Okay. Amen. You got that? Built to last, built to last, built to last. Um, now, there is no such thing as First Colossians 1.11. I just saw that. So I just want you to know that I am not, uh, yeah, I don't know what that was. But it's no such thing as First Colossians. You can go to the only Colossians. I guess it is First Colossians, okay. Uh, 1.11, Amplified. Uh, you could turn there. But um, our theme for, for this year, for 2016, um, our theme this year is building godly community. So when you figure that you're building, um, then you have to understand that, that the ones doing the building have to be built, okay? Yeah. All right, and I love what, um, what Jay, what you said during worship, you were saying, um, oh, I, I said I was gonna remember it, but you were saying, talking about being triumphant. Um, um, if, even if even in your brokenness or something. I gotta remember what you said, because I was like, wow, that was a great word. I have to remember what you said. So now, look at when we look at Colossians, we have to remember a lot of things, okay? These are letters written to the church. They are not, even though we all have our individual Bibles and some of us have more than one copy of a Bible, we have to remember this, that these are letters, okay? These are letters written to a group of people, okay? So you may be in your house and you all, we all say we're in our private time and our devotion time and we read that particular word, et cetera, et cetera. But these are letters to a group of people. These are letters written to community, okay? So what the, I love about the commentary, uh, Matthew Henry commentary, this is just, a, you don't have to read all this, but this is just something that you have to understand, that this particular letter was written to a church plant in Colossae, okay? So it was written to a church plant and it was, it, it was designed for a couple of things. But number one, it was designed to fortify them against the mixture of the Gentile philosophy philosophy with Christian principles, okay? So this is a thriving church. This was a church that was growing and they were doing well, but it wasn't written just to one person. It was written to a group of people. And what they did is they got the letter and they read it to everyone, okay? And it was, remember, remember it was written to fortify them. He's saying, don't mix outside principles with what God is saying in here, okay? So it was written to say, remember to stay the course, okay? Endure, stay the course. And he, he professes a great satisfaction in their steadfast steadfastness and their constancy and encourages them to persevere. So a lot of times you might wonder, well, why are you telling me to endure? You act like I'm not standing firm or what did I do? It's not that you're not. He's saying I'm acknowledging that you have been steadfast, but I'm telling you to stay on that path. Stay consistent. Continue to persevere. Stay there. And so it says a special use of strength. We're going to talk about strength in this scripture, but before we get there, he said there was a special use for strength. When God gives you strength, it is not for you you to keep believing that you're going to get a car, to keep believing that you're going to get a thing, a tangible thing. The strength is for a particular purpose, okay? Proverbs says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So we have to understand that strength can be measured. It can be small. It can be great or whatever. So he's looking at strength and he says the strength is to do the work, that you may be strengthened to do to live in patience and long suffering. So he wanted to give them a setup, okay? So when we look at this, look at somebody and say this, destiny is complicated, okay? Destiny is complicated. 
complicated. So God is saying, I'm speaking strength into you, but you have to understand that your destiny is going to be complicated. Uh, a friend of mine spoke that to me years ago and it never left me. He said, destiny is complicated. So as you're going along, God is saying, I'm giving you a particular strength to do a particular thing and for you to stay consistent, steadfast, continue to persevere so that as a community, as a group of people, you will not give up. So that means that if I give up, Rod is going to give up. If I give up, Naoe is going to give up. If Naoe gives up, Marilyn will fall. So as a community, as us all standing here together, remember this letter was read to a church, to a group of people, and he said, stay steadfast, but the strength is for a particular thing. Now let's look at this. He said, nothing, this, I love this. Let me slow down, but I want to make sure you get this. Work out your destiny. You can go to the next one. Work out your destiny or be destroyed. Destiny is complicated. Destiny is complicated. But a letter comes to you, a scripture comes to you, a word comes to you to tell you, and this will make a lot of sense later on, but I want to give you this right now. Say this with me. Work out my destiny, out my destiny. or be destroyed. Okay, work out my destiny or be destroyed. So I need strength to work this out, okay? And my destiny will be complicated. So as we, uh, let's go ahead and read Colossians 1.11. So I wanna make sure that you get this in you um, before we, uh, we go. Um, and it was our scripture to go, so let's read it together. And I'm reading the Amplified. It says, we pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, meaning perseverance and forbearance, but to do this with what? Joy, okay? We are praying for you. A letter has come to be delivered to you for you to be invigorated and to be strengthened with all power, not some power, but all power, and to exercise every kind of endurance, okay? So, this, um, this past week, we have a discipleship group and, and some of the former graduates are here, but we had in women's discipleship group, we watched a movie called Hildago, okay? It's a movie called Hildago. It's a story about a horse um, and uh, he was an actual horse. This is based on a true story. Of course, Hollywood has to change things up a little bit, but the principle is that this horse, they had what they called endurance races, okay? Not a sprint, not a sprint, where it's a real quick race where you go real fast to get to a short destination, but they had what they called endurance races where they would run for 400 miles, 500 miles, 1,000 miles, 1,800 miles across the country. Okay, this was in the 1800s. And so there was a man by the name of Frank Hopkins and he became famous because he had a horse, Hildago, and he was famous in the United States, okay, in the 1800s. And so he rode his horse, Hildago, in, in endurance races in America. So he ran about, he ran, he ran over 400 endurance races okay this is building the stamina in his horse yes. to go long distances not short distances but to go long distances okay are you with me and so they were called endurance races not this is the kind where you went through the day and then you stopped and you slept at night and you got up at sunrise and you kept going and you pushed through so Hildago won this one particular race where it was 1800 miles and so he became known as this champion horse that ran this race and won this race. So this, all of a sudden, this Arabian uh, businessman comes from across the seas. Gets This is not planes. This is not jets that during this time. He came on a ship across the sea to challenge Frank Hopkins to tell him, if your horse is really a champion, he has to be able to do the greatest endurance race. 
So you have been living life and you've accomplished all these great things and you've done these amazing things and you're like, okay, this is good. I don't know what's coming next, but I'm just going to kind of bask in my, my glory and all the things I've done. And God will send someone to challenge you and say, oh, that's not enough. Remember this letter in Colossians was written to a church that was already doing the work, but then a letter arrives and says, yeah, but I want you to continue in that. My Godfather used to tell me, continue to continue. But I'm doing everything you said. Continue to continue. Keep at it. Keep at it. So Frank Hopkins was challenged to go across the world to the other side of the world to take his horse on a ship and go across the world and enter the greatest endurance race ever, which was a 3,000 mile race across the Arabian Desert. If your Mustang horse is really all you claim it is to be, then you need to enter the greatest endurance race. So what God will do with you in some of your challenges and some of your life uh, tests and all of these things or some of your things as a community, and I love it because God never just saves you. God's intention was never to save you. I know it sounds crazy. God's intention was never to say you. The Bible says you and your household. God saves groups, groups, groups. He saves you even, in, look, look at this, even in your unborn children, God is saving them when he saves you. Because the idea is he is saving me and then what is in me, I will deposit into the next generation. So I have to do more. I love it. My grandmother traveled all around the world. My grandparents were, my grand, they, no, not deep, not wealthy, a nurse and, a, and, a, and he worked for for the, the post office, the postmaster, okay? He was one of the few black men in Philadelphia that worked. He, he didn't work at the local post office. He was downtown at the, uh, what do you call it, the postman, the major postmaster. But they saved their money. They endured every day, went to work, put money in the bank, went to work, put money in the bank, went to work, put money in the bank, went to work, because they wanted to go around the world. So what my grandmother and grandfather did is they saved this money and they began to travel around the world. And my grandmother, back in the 70s, they used to have these little dolls in all the country and she would collect dolls. So she would mail me these dolls about all the countries she would go to. And I had a picture of her and a camel in the middle of the desert on the other side of the world. And I used to keep it tucked in my wallet to remember your grandmother was a nurse, but she saved everything she had so that she could go around the world. And one day she said this to me, you're supposed to do more. So now here she is. She went around the world. And, my, and, and I remember one day the Lord challenged me. He said, how about she went around the world, scoped out the territory. Now why don't you take the gospel around the world? That's your challenge. So every generation should do more. So salvation is never just for you. Salvation is for you, your household, your church. So remember, this is for a community. And so he takes his horse. And I love it because if you watch the movie, his one horse. But I was telling Sister Claire that in history, he took three horses. Okay? He took Hildago and two other horses. He took some backup. He said, if I'm going this far, I better make sure that if anything happens, I got some backup, okay? Ain't nothing wrong with having backup, okay? That's why don't fly solo. Have some people with you, okay? A three-fold cord, that's just a commercial break. Take that and go. So have some backup. So he had some backup. But he took this Mustang horse. This American man took a Mustang horse to the Arabian Desert and challenged them that he was going to win. Mustang horses were known to be smaller. They weren't as tall and elegant as the Arabian horse. Why do you think we call it the Arabian horse? Because it is bred in the Arabian desert. It is bred to run endurance races. It is bred to, want to run 3,000 miles through the desert, okay? So this is the thing that you have to ask yourself. What has God allowed me? What are my runs? What endurance races have I survived? Because I remember in my 30s, I had gone through some stuff and I was like, okay, I, I got my badge. I done survived this, I survived that, I'm good. 
Good, good. I've been through stuff good. If you want to hear my testimony, I'll tell it to you. I, it's good. I got a testimonies tucked over here, testimonies tucked over there. I'm good. I don't need to go through any more. And the Lord said, oh, those were just short endurance races. Those were the 400, the 500, the 1800. He said, I'm going to knock on your door and challenge you to go to the other side of the world. Now that you did an 1800 mile run, sir, can you make it across the desert ride and do a 3000 mile run? Well, why I got to prove all that? I did what I did. And God says, oh, no, no, no. That was a test. So now this is what Frank Hopkins had to face. And I dare you, I really challenge you to go watch the movie because he was not a Muslim. So he was going to a, a place where the Muslim faith reigned and the Muslims believe that the horse, if you go and read the Arab Proverbs about a horse, and I, I took it out because I'll be, I'll be reading forever. They believe that God had put a special gifting in the horse. And they even said that the horse had wings and nobody could see. They believe that at one point horses could even talk. They said, God said, this is the greatest animal ever created and man will ride you and he will take you and you will stand before kings and you will win battles. So they took their horses very serious. So when Frank Hopkins came, he was considered number one, an infidel, an unbeliever entered into our race. Oh, you're going to come over here and bring your little Jesus into our, you know, that's how people look at you. Oh, you with nothing, no money, no this, no that. You come over here with your little tiny horse, a Mustang Spanish horse, a little, this horse doesn't, he can't even stand next to our Arabian horse. Who are you? And you go, first of all, I didn't even want to be here, okay? Truth be told, I don't know how. Frank Hopkins wasn't looking for a race. They came across the seas to find him. And so his thing is, look, I brought two as a backup, but honestly, I'm not trying to prove nothing to nobody. And so he was considered, so all the way through, if you watch the movie, they are taunting him. He, can, he gets to the starting line, and they're saying, oh, infidel, you can give up. You can give up. You can give up. Why are you even in this race? And then I ask myself, why do they care if his horse is really as weak as they claim he is, why do they care if he's in this race? Yeah, yeah. So you will be surprised who you intimidate. Yeah. So you come, you, you come in here, uh, so you with no degree, you got this director job? Yeah. Uh, so you didn't go to school. Well, you know, we all went to Harvard, Yale, you know, the top 10, Stanford. We went, oh, and you went to, oh, where did you, I'm sorry, you went to an online school? I'm sorry, say it again. Phoenix, University. Uh, oh, is that one of those little, okay, yeah, okay, all right. Oh, and you're still paying, oh, we all got scholarships, we, we were paying, okay, oh, uh, yeah, okay, well, that's cute. Enjoy yourself. So if you are really all that you say, you say, why are you upset that I'm in the race? Why are you upset that my name is in the resumes pack? I remember that I was up for this youth pastor job at this prestigious church, and I remember running into this particular pastor at an event that had nothing to do. Actually, I sorry, at this point, I didn't, wasn't even up for the job. I didn't even have enough sense to apply for the job. And I ran into this pastor and he saw me. He said, I can't believe I'm seeing you. He said, I was working late in my office. He said, and I was looking, I had a stack of resumes. I'm trying to hire a youth pastor. He said, and I had about a stack of 300 resumes. This was old school before you had email. So this is like people mailed them in. He said, I took them out the envelope. My secretary had them in the stack and I decided to work late. And I was going to sit there and read through these resumes. And I'm reading through late at night. He said, and while I'm reading, the spirit of God told me, put those resumes away and call Teresa McFadden and hire her for the job. Wow. He said, but I told God no, because you were a female. You didn't go to school. You weren't even a member of my church. So it didn't make sense. But now I'm seeing you. He said, and I'm perplexed because I don't know what to do. I'm like, I didn't enter the race. You, <laughs> I, 
I didn't put my, I don't even, that's on you. That's between you and God. God just told you what to do. He put my name in the hat. That's on you. But he could not hire me because his mind couldn't get the fact that I was put, that God put me in the race. So check this out. Check this out, what God did. God said, okay, okay, listen, look what I'm going to do. I'll take her out of your race, and I'll put her in this race. Two days after my 30th birthday, I got a call to go preach in Detroit, Michigan, to a church I had never heard of, a pastor I did not know, and it was two days after my 30th birthday, and when I got there, they were just all quiet. This is my particular field of interest, so this is, if this is you, you put this in whatever field you're in, okay? So whether you're in medicine or music or whatever film, whatever your thing is, this is my particular world, okay? So I get this call and I show up and I was like, okay, I don't even know these people, and I walk into this massive church and this intense, you know, um, this bishop, and I was like, hello, sir, you know? And I've been at other churches before, I had been trained, and so I get there, and the Lord said, do you. He said, why are you? We went to dinner and everything. I was up to speak at that night and I did not know the background. Women weren't allowed to do this. I didn't know the background. The people never got that. There were people in that church wanting to get in that pulpit. I didn't know the backdrop. I just came, was called, showed up and God put me in. While, and when I finished ministering, the pastor laid out on the pulpit in front of thousands, thousands of people and he got up and I went up to his office. My flight was scheduled to leave the next day. He said, the Lord said you were made for this house. He changed my flight, and for the next three years, this man flew me back and forth between Detroit and Los Angeles. He became my spiritual father, Bishop Andrew Merritt. And when other pastors wouldn't touch me because I was a female, because I hadn't graduated at that point, and all that stuff, he said, the Lord told me, and I listened to God. So he took me out of one race, put me in another race. And God says, now I want you to stay here. And I had to prove myself for two and a half years. Now, let, let, let's go back to this because I, I want you to keep Hildago in your mind. But I want you to, to, you can move through this. I want you to go and look at your endurance race, okay? Your endurance race because uh, my experience had all kind, I was born with birth defects and so God was training me my whole way through. But this is what God told me, okay? This is what God told my mother through about me when I was born sick, all types of challenges, father died at three, all types of challenges. And she prayed and said, Lord, what do I tell a child that doesn't understand the complications she's going through, okay? And this is what the Lord said to her, just tell her this. Tell an eight-year-old child that she's perfect for my purpose. Yes, not her purpose, not your purpose, but my purpose, yes. okay? And so this is your endurance race. Now this is the challenge though, this is the challenge that we walk in, your fear. Your fear is this, look at this. I want to release my gifts to the world. I want to be a superstar. I want to be famous. I want everybody to see whatever. If I'm in medicine, I want to discover a cure for cancer. If I'm in this, whatever my thing is, I want to massage my flesh. I want to be great. I want to be great. And so you're willing to do anything. I know somebody that's in acting. They're willing to do any single role because their goal is to be number one. There's no boundary line. You're willing to, to, to disconnect from your family. You're willing to disconnect from God. You're willing to do whatever because your fear is you won't be well known. You won't win the race. And I love it because most people, Lord, I'm sorry, I just can't follow you because I don't want to get trapped during ministry. I don't want to get trapped doing your thing. I want to do my thing. So, Lord, let me do my thing. I, I'll come back when I'm old and serve you. But right now, i got to be famous. And so it's a difference between to be and not get. Yeah. God is trying to get you to be something, not get something. 
You got that, Anise? He's, he's allowing these challenges because he wants you to be something, not get something. He's trying to develop something in you. And so that's what an endurance race is. It is mile after mile after mile, burning and running through the hot sand and trying to get up. It says that Frank Hopkins was in the Arabian, the, the long that Sahara Desert race for 68 days. But he had, to, he had already done some races for 30, 35, 40 days. And so this is the thing. God is saying, you're trying to deal with your fear about everything, but you have to remember your ministry. So when he tells you to endure and to step fast, he's saying this, I am calling you, Rod, to live the gospel. I am call, I'm not calling the preachers, the elders, the ministers, the evangelists to preach the gospel. I'm calling you to preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words, Byron. If you're called, and that may be, you know what? I have a standard. Yeah. That may be your one message. Yeah. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I have a standard. Yes. 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 I, I, I can't. Yes. One of the, I, I read an article, uh, uh, oh, gosh, help me with his name. Um, he just married, uh, not just, but Megan Good's husband. And he said, it said that because, thank you, he's a seven-day Adventist, if he had a movie coming out, because of his commitment to his faith, he wouldn't even look at how his movie rated on Friday. Once the Sabbath started, he wouldn't even look at how his movie rated because he had a standard. That's his message. He preaches right there. I'll look at it after the Sabbath is over. Oh, no, I miss church. Girl. I got to go to lunch with my friends. They're going, to, and it's the last day that we can go. You know, no standard. And God is saying, you're so busy trying to, to, to get and I'm trying to get you to be. So you have to live it, preach it, exhibit the power, and you have to understand I'm trying to get you to be and not get. If you be that thing, you win the race. And he's trying to get you to link with the body and form the church. What does that mean? What does that mean, link with the body? What does that mean? I'm not a believer by myself. So, Rod, I remember this is what the Lord showed me just two days ago. When Rod and the Palmers first came to the church, I don't know how it happened. We had just met them, and we ended up coming over to your house. God showed me this the other day riding on the 5 freeway. He said, remember the first day that you went over to, to the Palmers' house, and you were kind of like, oh, hello, how are you? And he was like, oh, come in, come in. We were strangers at that time. No relationship, no friendship. And we, I don't even, what were we, I still can't even figure out why we would have been at their house. They had just walked in the church. They had sent us an email saying they, they, nice church, but not for us. So I don't know why we ended up at their church. And, and Rod is sitting there talking, I mean, at their house. And Rod is sitting there talking to us. And Pastor Daryl says this, well, man, it was nice to meet you. Thank you so much for letting us come over. I got to go because I have to go to my Sansu class tonight. And Rod was like, Sansu or, or, or martial arts? I'm probably saying it wrong. And so then Rod said, Really? Where do you work out? Yeah, broken out feet. Yeah, oh, okay, anyway, I'm sure there's more to the story. And so they end up talking, come to find out, Rod was, what did you call him, what do you call Nam, master, not a master, because he doesn't believe in belts and everything. He knew his instructor, what a five-minute visit turns into an hour-long visit. By the time we finish, they're hooking up the following week. Next thing you know, they're still here. That was two years ago. And God is saying, one little thing, one little thing of you being will connect you in your growth. So I'm going to connect you to this person. I'm going to connect you to this person. I'm going to connect you to this person. And then all of a sudden, you form the body of Christ. You form, so let's go back to Colossians. He said, this is a letter to a group of people. Stay steadfast together. So if Rod tries to walk away from him, they're linked now because they start to build a relationship, not just on Sundays, but there is a link and a connection to them. So they both come to the starting line together. 
Does that make sense? I don't, I don't know if, I'm, if you're tracking, okay? So look at this. So um, you can go to the next one. So I love it because in verse 4, this is, the, this is the thing. We try to take the gospel and make it personal, and it's not intended to be just for you. So look at what he says in verse 4 of Colossians. He said, for, now he's writing a letter to them. He said, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the leaning of your entire human personality on him, in absolute trust, Jay, and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Stop. So somebody meets you. When Anise Ferris came to the church, she knew about five or six of the people I knew. Okay. And this is God linking people together to run the race together. And this is what people say, I heard about you. Yeah, you know such and such that knows the other person. And I heard that you lean your entire personality on God and you stand confident in God and power and wisdom and goodness. And a lot of us stop right there. And that's not the end of the story. And the love which you have for all the saints. It's never just about you. It's not just about me. It is about me, Shonda, Jody. You understand? The OA, Kenny. It's about all of us together. So you may have your own personal situation, but he said, but you have to connect to other people so that you will have a community situation. You can lean all your personality on God if you want to, but if it is not shown in love to other people, it's not valid. Yes. It's not valid. So that's why that Arabian businessman came to America and he said, you can run this race over here, but until you win over here, it's not valid. And he goes, I'm not going over there to prove nothing. And he said, you know what? Yeah, I'll go over there because I need to prove something, okay? So uh, let's keep going. I'm trying not to, to rush, but at the same time, I want to make sure you get this. So Frank Hopkins said two things about horses and then we'll, 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 we'll uh, wrap up. It says, ask somebody this, say, can you handle the ride? Can you handle the ride? Can you handle the ride? I told you a lot about him, but he had a method of training horses. And he said this, this is the, the most powerful thing because uh, you can go keep going. Uh, Cause I, I uh, this right here, this is, he had a method for training horses, diet and conditioning. He said this about, this is what you do, this is what God is doing with you. When you give your tithes and you go, okay, all right, uh, all right, I'll trust you, God, 10%, all right, I'll do it. 100 off of 1,000, okay, I'll do it. All right, try it, $100. Then you end up broke, your car breaks down and you got a $300 bill. Nah, shouldn't have given those ties. God says, do it next week. Oh, man, but I'm already down 300, Lord, and I gave that money, and that's 400. And God says, next week, try me one more time. 100 on 1,000. That's all I ask. It's mine anyway, but I'm letting you oversee it. So 100 off of 1,000. God. And then your friends call you. You want to go with, out with us this week? You need $125 to go. I can't. I just gave God diet and conditioning. Mm -hmm. Frank Hopkins said this. He said, there's no point in using a horse if you can't train them. So you have to ask yourself this. Are you a show pony or a horse, a workhorse? Because show ponies prance around. You braid their little mane, and they prance around, and they're cute and all that stuff. Don't put them in no endurance race, okay? So that even if you're single while you're dating, remember that. Am I looking for a show pony, or am I looking for a Mustang, okay? Those are two different things, okay? 
So this is what you learned. So you had you had Frank Hopkins that said, I believe that the Mustangs can be conditioned and they can be trained. And that's really why you go out on dates. You're just trying to see, let me see how you do in your training. If you can handle the training of this relationship, then we'll cross over to the marriage part. Okay, that was free for somebody. But the diet, the diet, the diet, the diet. Let's go back to the diet. Because the Arabs believe this, and you don't have to read this, but this is just, this is just proof that it's there, okay? The Arabs believe this. The French, when they had their horses, they wouldn't even get on their backs till they're four years old. They spoil their horses, give them food, water them down, take them out in the pasture, and let them be, won't even get on their backs until they're four. The Arabs say this, no, we train, and we are known for the number one horse in the world. So what we do at 18 months, we put a child on their back. The colt is still trying to figure out what their legs are doing. But the master and the trainer says, no, put a, a child on their back and let them ride around in the yard. Let them get used to it. I, they said they were doing two things. The horse is getting accustomed to carrying weight, and the child is learning how to be a horseman. So every day, they ride around. Then 24 to 30 months, they do something different. Now let them get used to pain. Let them get used to don't do this, don't do that, don't get distracted. So then they send, don't, they, don't, they, they, they keep them and they go, don't, they, they hire a little slave to work with the horse and just hat, pat, tap the horse if he gets distracted and starts looking around. These are baby horses, yep, hit them if he gets distracted. That's my job, that's your job. Just, and then from 36 to 40 months, they do. So they have a whole thing, and this is what they said. Look at what this is said. You wonder why God allowed you to start racing when you were a child, to get abused at two, to get hurt at five, for your parents to get divorced at seven. This is why. And so the Arabs say, we don't wait. We use our horses at an early age because you have to teach when they're young. Okay? The lessons of childhood engrave themselves on stone. Those of mature age disappear like a bird in a nest. God, they said the, the French wait too long. By four years old, that horse don't even know. They, that By four, Hildago was already in his first endurance race. He was already won, uh, won, uh, won gold medals for being endurance race. And so they're saying this, the childhood, the childhood pain, the childhood endurance, the teasing when you're a little kid, the I don't know if I can handle it, the being sick, the injuries, the, the hurt, the stuff that you don't even talk about that you buried in your mind and you don't even know it's there and you're in therapy for it and they're still trying to pull it out of your memory bank because it hurts so bad. They engrave themselves in stone. Why would a loving God do something like that to a child? Because he's trying to teach them how to endure. Did you die? No. Are you here? Yes then you have the markings for to be a champion. Yeah, yeah. If they train these horses, he said this, the Arabs say this, if they train a horse and he can't handle the little stuff, then they say he's weak, kill him. If you've been abused and you can't handle that, God said, oh, I thought I was going to be able to use you to teach endurance. I thought I was going to use you to survive and get you to train. I thought I was going to use you. And so the Mustang horse, why do we drive Mustangs? Why did you buy a Mustang? Why is, why, why is the horse the symbol of the Mustang? Because it's called Mustang strain, okay? It means that a horse can go, you can keep going, it means that a horse can go on and on and on and on. They hurt my feelings. I have church hurt, that's why I don't go back. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to me either. We all got a story, get up. And when you're finished, get, keep going and say, you know what, I forgive you, it's not that deep. I'm gonna probably hurt you next week. Let's keep it rolling. Because remember what the scripture said in verse 4? I've heard about your strength. I've heard how you persevere. I heard how you're all these things. But then I heard that you actually love people. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's when it's real. Yeah. 
That's why he wrote a letter. I don't even know if I'm making sense. I, I, I wish, I hope that is, I hope that it is making sense. You gotta make sure that it's real. I'm trying to, to help you understand the, the, the endurance, okay? I, I love it because Frank Hopkins took three horses to the Sahara Desert, but he chose Hildago because he needed to make sure that in the greatest race of his life, he had a horse that could do the distance. And you don't know what God is, is building in you. Why am I still single? Why haven't I gotten a job? Why am I always disappointed? Why have I done all these great things and nobody knows? Why, why, why? And God says, because I'm trying to see if you can go the distance. I'm trying to see what you do when you don't get what you want. I was talking to Jessica. They're, they're, they're on vacation this week. And I was talking to Jessica and I said, why do you think we let the church know what we're praying for, and then we also let you know when we didn't get it. Why do you think we go through these things? As your leaders, why? Because Paul told Timothy this. He said, you have to watch me endure even when I don't get it. You have to watch what you learn more from us when we get let down from God and still get up here and preach the gospel, the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ, and keep moving forward without getting. This girl told me one time the first surgery I had where they thought I was gonna give me a hysterectomy at 33. She was supposed to be my friend, Jay. She was supposed to be my dearest friend. And I came home from the hospital, had lost about 20 pounds, 20 pounds, four bags of blood transfusion, six weeks recovery. And I'm, walk, I'm sitting there with my friend and she said, man, I'm glad they didn't give you a hysterectomy because you would have cursed God. And I said, all this time working with me and that's what you think? Yeah. That because I get a hysterectomy, I'm gonna curse God and that's gonna be it? After all this time being with me, that's what you think? Wow. God said, I just want you to know she doesn't know. She can't go the distance with you. Wow. I needed to reveal something to you. You're investing in this friendship and this person knows all that she knows about you and she thinks, Melissa, that you'd curse God if you didn't get what you wanted. She was gone out of my life in six months. Six months. I went through this major surgery back to back. I remember walking the first day. I said, okay, I'm going to get up 95 pounds. I'm going to get up and my goal today is to just walk to the corner. And I was just frail and everything. And just, just walking to the corner, tripped on a rock, fell fa face down, stumbled down the street. I was like, okay, I guess I better come back tomorrow. This, didn't, <laughs> this outing didn't go too good. Four weeks later, I was like, okay, I'm strong now. Rode in the car, been walking, doing good. Surgery is in my past. I'm going forward. I'm gonna go to my friend's wedding and I'm gonna go by myself and I'm gonna travel. So I rented my rented car with Hertz, rent a car, and I go to Dallas and I go to the wedding, button safety pin on my clothes because I'm just like a skinny little rail. And I go and we go to the wedding and we have a good time. And I'm there like, oh, we're so happy to see you pushing through and coming out after your surgery and you're doing so good. And I was like, yeah, we'll meet and we're gonna go out tonight. I go in Dallas and I all I remember was, you know, that big green ball in Dallas going up on the ramp. Car hit a patch of sand, spun out of control, and I flew head on into a concrete wall. The, the airbag bent my wrist all the way back, and when I came to, it was firemen, ambulance. It was, I had blocked up the whole traffic and everything. A friend of mine was in the traffic, was in the traffic, and he drives by and sees my rental car and comes out. He's the man of God. We go to the hospital, and the man says she has broken her arm and her wrist, and he, he was looking, I could, couldn't even move my wrist. And so the man, is, the, the doctor is looking, they took two x-rays, and the, my friend said, wait, 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 before you take her, he said, this girl knows how to, he said, you can throw her into the middle of the desert, put a bomb on her back, and wait two weeks, and she'll show up at your house for dinner. He said, trust me, there's something you, I think, and he, he looked at my wrist, laid hands on my wrist, sent me to get x-rays, came back, and they were like, 
it's not broken. No, we're gonna take another risk. I said, don't keep charging me for x-rays. Either it's broken or it's not. It's, it's broken or not. And, and I was like, I can't even travel by myself anymore. And the Lord said, no, keep on, keep on, keep going. I just want you to endure. Look at the definition of endurance. This is, this, I guess, like worship. This message is going a little different. But look at this endurance. The ability to put up with something or somebody. Say something, something. or somebody. somebody. Say somebody one more time. Somebody. Now say somebody's. Because usually the people that give you problems got one or two friends with them, okay, to push them through this thing, okay? So the ability to put up with things or people or stuff that is unpleasant. It is the power to continue to survive, to live and to remain alive, to be usable, to persist for a long time and to continue to exist. It is the power to bear prolonged exertion. It is, the, it is being hardship under pain. And I love my mother's definition. Endurance, she says simply is this, to suffer and never surrender. To keep going through it, to suffer. And that is what that song is saying. It's built to last. It's built to last. You can't sing something like that and not have an understanding of what it means. Look at this, and I'll, I'll close on this. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's uh, wrap up. And I love it because Philippians 1.27 says this. Conduct yourself. Whatever happens, conduct yourself. Say that, say, whatever, close your eyes, whatever happens, happens. conduct myself myself. in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was a letter that was written to the church in Philippi. And then look at Colossians uh, uh, um, 1.10, and he says this, that you may walk, live, and there goes that word, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit. Can you go the distance? Because destiny is complicated. I love it because Frank Hopkins said about Hildago, he said, I had written him, he had proven himself. And though he was little, this is what they said about Mustang horses. They said Mustang horses will look like they don't even know what's going on. You'll have them at the finished starting line, and if you take too long, they said they'll get distracted and just start going to eat some grass and walk around. They already know they're going to win. They already know what they got to do. But it says that the Mustang horse will just, you know, kind of like, I've been here before. I know what's up. And they'll just start. And then when you say, okay, let's go, they will snap into position, and they will hold their head up, and they will take the territory. Do you hear me? Stop looking past people because they're unassuming. Unassuming. mm, No, I don't think I would go out with them. They just, you know, I don't know. They're not really my type. What is your type? Because your type is not based upon where you are right now. Your type is based on where you're going, and you don't know what God has for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Remember, you don't need a show pony. You're looking for an endurance race, an Arabian horse. Does that make sense? So you're, you're looking for this, and so it's called Mustang strain. The same horse that gets distracted by a patch of grass before the race, but once they kick into gear and know what's going on, they said that they can go through the strain. They said by the time Hildago had gotten to that through the 68 days, he had lost weight, his hoofs were bleeding, he was down to his last, and it said this, and when he got to the end of the race, just give me some water, it said he was ready to go. Right after that, he was ready to go. How much recovery time do you need? How much bandaging and healing does God need to put you through before you respond 
and say, okay, now, Lord, now I'm ready for you to use me. Because remember, it's all about you, right? It's not about God's will and his plan. It's, you know, it's all about you. You don't know what they did to me. How, how bratty are you as a child of God? Because the bratty aren't winners. The bratty, onward Christian soldier marching off to war. How bratty are you? As we wrap up, as we wrap up, I, I was struggling because I'm looking at the time. I had a clip from the movie that I wanted to show you. But as we close out, let's look at the scripture to go. And you see the Mustang emblem. Can you stand the strain? Can you be invigorated and strengthened with all power? Can you go the distance? It's the uh, next one. Um, it's in there somewhere, whatever the scripture to go is. Can you go the distance? You can, that's fine. That's it. Can you go the distance? We pray that you may be invigorated and strengthened with all power according to the might of his glory to exercise every kind of endurance and patience, perseverance, and forbearance with joy. I, I'm, we have five minutes, and I think I, I want to give you a visual because I think something, something in me says this. A lot of you guys are waiting for God to call you to the start line. You're waiting for this word. You're waiting for this green light. You're waiting for your resume to get accepted. You're waiting for, my mother told me one time, she said, don't ever look for a job. Create the job you want. Don't, don't look for it. Make them figure out how they're going to keep you. When I came back from Howard, I was a little discombobulated, was all off track and didn't know what to do. And I, 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 my friend was like, can you fill in at this little uh, 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 swimming pool place? And I was like, answer the phone? Really? <laughs> 5.50 an hour? Are you serious? The guy said, humble yourself. Go do it. This is me. Go do it. I went down there and I was like, this is like, this, okay, this is, um, yeah, all righty, yeah. Came back home for this. Go Jesus. Answer the phone. The, 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 the swimmers that would come in and do the laps back and forth, come in, check them, make sure they pay. So one day I'm sitting there bored. I started reorganizing everything. I started going through this. I came up with a new system for that, new system for that. Kept going in, and one day the executive director comes over and says, I'm quitting. I'm out. Take care of yourself. It was really nice to meet you. I was like, okay, because I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> Next thing I know, the board of directors, the president of the board came in. He was like, I need your help. I'm at the front desk checking in swimmers. He said, somebody told me they've been watching you. He said, can you move over to the main office? We're not going to hire a director. We're going to put that money on hold. Can you just cover things while we figure out what we're doing? In a flash, I went from 550 front desk to back office, calling. We ended up hosting the Olympics there. We ended up hosting all kinds. We ended up, I ended up instituting a swim, a swim camp there. I had, by the time I left, we had all kind of programs going. I said, make the pool open to the community. We have all this dead time between the diving team and the swim team. Let's do something with it. He was like, oh, yeah, great. Never hired an executive director. And then he says, I don't have a title. You figure out a title, make it up, tell me what, what the budget can pay you, and then we'll work it out. I was like, OK. <laughs> Endurance. I want to show this. We have five minutes, and then we're out. And we'll use this as our closeout. Um, can you hit the lights? I, I, I really want you to leave with this visual. But this is the point I was making. 
some of you are waiting for God to put you at the starting lineup. You're waiting for God to give you the contract. You're waiting for these things to supernaturally just show up at your door. And God is saying, nah, I want to see what you're going to do. I want to see what you're going to do. So this, out of all the clips I could possibly show you, I, but I do think that you should do this. Now, let me just set this up. Frank Hopkins is tired now. This is halfway through the race. And one of the other owners of the horse asked him, could he accept payment? She said, I'll pay you to quit the race. He was tired. He was weary. He was down. She said, if you're only in it for money, I'll pay you to get out. She said, I'm in it for way more than money. I'm in it for prestige. If I get this, my horse gets papers. She said, I'm in it for a lot more. So how about I pay you to get out of my way? And he was tired. So he told her, I'll get back to you in the morning. What do you do when you're tired? What do you do when you're tired? Let's, let's just look. Let's look. This is a princess. This is the king's princess. Her father entered his, her, her, his horse. But uh, he, this is her bandaging up. That's Hildago, just to let you know who's who. He does not like the milk of the camel. But it will keep his liver from failure. Appreciate it. She's giving him a special milk so that his he liver won't fail. The, the tent of the Christian lady. I don't like to look at them front hooves. That quarter crack's getting worse. Another 400 miles could put him lame. You must not give up. Might be just time to live with what we got. You will prove them right. That blood is more important than will. You will continue your life hiding who God made you. Like me. Jazeera. Frank Hopkins, I am compelled to express gratitude. Mr. Hawkins. Thank you, ma'am. I don't see in Damascus. Hope you find the stock you've been looking for. Oh, I will. You should have wagered on it. That's it right, Albuquerque, my sugar. 
We'll go ahead and stop right there, but stand to your feet. They're setting him up for his downfall at this point. Some of you, close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes for a minute and just think about how tired you may be. Think about your pause that you're in. Because sometimes the pause is not about the pause. The pause is about you showing yourself what you're going to do. You making decisions because God is saying you've been through this long enough to where you should know that people are praying for you. People are praying for you. What did Frank Hopkins say about Hildago? He said, I had ridden him through enough races to know that he didn't need a lot of bandaging. He didn't need a lot of fussing. That he would go the distance. And someone God is saying to you right now, stop looking for somebody else to do it. You show up at the line. No saddle, no bit, nothing. You show up. Hoofs bleeding, split, no food, no water, you show up. That's what winners do. You show up. Out of 100 races, only three finished. You show up. So we're praying for you that you would endure, that you would be invigorated, lift your hands, that you would be strengthened that you would dare to believe that you can win this next race. That you would dare to believe, dare to believe, and then dare to believe with joy, with joy. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for wrecking the house today. Thank you for wrecking worship and shifting their agenda. Thank you for wrecking the message and shifting my agenda because all we have to do is just show up like Hildago. We may be the smallest. We may be the Spanish painted horse that doesn't look as gorgeous as the others. But there is something to be said about our show up. So now, Lord, invigorate people this morning, this afternoon that they can go the distance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go the distance. As we stay in an attitude of worship, this is opportunity for you to step out in faith. This is when we give. This is when we give. We stay. We purposely are kind of revamping things to do worship word giving because giving is just a part of worship.